Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're, you're about, about to, to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 156 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Yu Yu Hakusho episodes 55 through 58, where Karasu makes invisible exploding monsters, Yusuke's team loses to technicalities again, and Hiei is a very sleepy boy. He's very sleepy because he can hear... And all of the different ways you can hear different lullabies from all different places. You know, some in, some in German, some in Russian, some like demon lullabies. You know them demon lullabies. Welcome to Night Vale shit is this. Anyways, let's jump in. Hey everybody, uh, I don't know what intro you're about to hear, but one of them is better than the other one, and I'm not the telling you which better. one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, man, uh, we are back again after our uh, full-on snafu week. Um, where oh my god, we... it wasn't even, it's nothing to be concerned of. Though You said something in our Discord, and I got the impression that some people took that to mean that we had some sort of great tragedy befall one of us. Nothing happened, we just got, we, Spencer is a very busy man. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a lot of free time, but not every time is free time. And last week was a moment when my free time never matched up with Spencer not being busy. <laughs> And that's what happened. And also, we were three episodes behind. And just, you know, we're doing our best. And last week was not our best week. And here we are again. Yeah. But it, it there were a couple of people that were like, I had never heard that episode. And I was just like, yeah. good. Good. Yeah. Spencer and I talked about this where we were like, you know, we've actually been at this for so long that if we go back into our archives, there are episodes that people will either never have heard or that they will have entirely forgotten. So, it, you know, it worked out. But uh, we are intending to keep providing you new content unless something comes up. And trying not to let something come up. So that won't be like a regular occurrence. But it will happen here and there. Yeah. So in uh, anime mo- news this week, uh, I, mm. uh, I completely lost all of my self-control uh, over the weekend. And I read. Okay, I'm already proud of you. I read like 30 chapters of Jujutsu Kaisen without posting on Twitter at all. <laughs> we honestly, we should have seen this coming. I can't believe we didn't predict this. Yeah, man, I, I don't know what it is about live tweeting where people are just like so they're they're so into it. I just I I I was not. I just didn't. I don't. I just don't. I'm not interested. <laughs> like yeah I, i'm getting more into twitter but i really don't i i also don't understand the live tweeting thing like maybe i i guess i just i'm always like 2000 and late like i i listen to my news i don't know i listen to up first the the daily news podcast from npr on the day that it shows but i listen to the npr politics podcast the day after it plays like i'm i'm a day late on my news uh, all the time. So uh, live tweeting just does not match with the speed at which I move through life. And I also somewhat don't see the appeal. I, I guess I do kind of get the appeal when I 
Like, I love to read, like, a BuzzFeed article on the best Twitter reactions to this week's episode of The Bachelor or to the presidential debates or to, you know, a really good live tweet. But those are the best. I don't want to I don't want to wade through the not best. Yeah, man. So it's raining here. I hope it doesn't sound too loud. Yeah, it's raining here, too. It's almost as if we're in the same city, just very far apart. Even though we very supremely are not. (laughs) We're Um, not even in the same time zone. Yeah, for real. Um, I will say this, though. Jujutsu Kaisen has, like, so many shounen-y things that make it the most shounen-y manga I've read in a very long time. They've started to introduce the different power sets from different characters. Um, they have also introduced just a couple of characters that are just obnoxiously aggressive for no reason. And it's just like, what is happening? But also, I'm excited about this tournament arc that's coming up, y'all. <laughs> I, just... uh, I, I remember... I think I, we we covered Jujutsu Kaisen in one of the pre rework weekly jumps, right? I think I read it and it sounded good to you, and then you read it, yeah, and then kept reading it. So yeah. all I know about it is that, and that there's some sort of panda in there. Uh, yeah, it looks amazing, Panda's and I can't great. wait to start watching it. But I, you know, don't jump on things that I want to watch at the time that I want to watch them because I am a slave to my own systems. Yeah, there's a um, there's like a hilarious part in the chapter where they're explaining their powers and they're just like, he has this power and then she has the ability to uh, hold this blade and also Panda. And anyways, and then it like (laughs) cuts back to him and he's just like, are you not going to tell me what the Panda does? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, that's Um, quality humor right there. Also in uh, podcast manga news, I did another review. Yeah. Uh, It's of... Hellwarden Higuma, and if you want to know what I thought about it, that should be on our Patreon sometime. It's in already there. The now it's times. already already posted. It's already it. there. Yeah. You may have read it at the time of me saying this. Yeah. Well, with all that n- incredible amount. Wait, one of more news. news. One more news. Well, I was gonna say she- I also have more news. Is oh, I have two more newses, which is oh, I only have. One more news. <laughs> well, my first is news is, is that I have uh, completely caught up with uh, My Hero Academia. Um, and uh, I have still continued to fall off the bandwagon of waiting uh, for a while and then reading a bunch of chapters. Um, that manga is a- aggressively interesting to read. Um, and then my last anime news is, is that... Uh, Blake and I have started to pick mm-hmm. up our, our show that we are going to be reviewing very soon, which is Megalobox. Oh, uh, I watched the first four episodes last night, I think. Have you, I, I have, I have so many thoughts about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about Man, it. Man, I, I think the thing that got me about it the most so far, though, is just like, the idea that people are just like, you know what we should do <laughs> with this technology that could, you know, revolutionize the way that humans do menial jobs and labor yeah. is that we should just beat the Christ out of each other. 
<laughs> yeah, 100%. It's actually a commentary on the military-industrial complex. Uh, yeah, it's so good. So if you haven't watched Megalobox, Spike Spiegel wants to be a boxer. Yeah, basically. And uh, and then robot arms. Yeah. And that's it. That's the show. All right. Blake, tell us your news is. Oh, uh, choo-choo, there's a train in your movie theaters. Uh, if you have been vaccinated, you should go see Mr. Mugen Train, the Demon Slayer movie. It is in theaters now. It is one of the highest box office release movies of all time, I believe. And that is preceding the American release, which is happening now. Uh, it is also of note a canon movie this is not usually the case with anime movies generally speaking anime movies exist outside of canon they may have references to canon characters having abilities or or items or whatever that have occurred in canon but often if you try to place them in canon they just don't quite fit i'm definitely thinking of the uh (laughs) here we go blake's mentioning digimon I'm thinking of the Digimon Frontier movie in which one of the characters has an egg that they don't get until after some other canon. So you can like place it in canon in one place, but they have an item that they don't have for several more episodes after that. Or they don't rev- they don't seem to have access to abilities that would have been relevant at the, at the time that they do have the egg. And so the, the point being that most anime movies just they don't take place in canon. They just uh, exist as an additional thing to enjoy with the series that you're already enjoying. Uh, Demon Train, Mugen Train, whatever the fuck it's called, uh, Demon Slayer's Chichu experience is actually <laughs> canon. And uh, Demon Slayer's so, Chichu experience. <laughs> so it covers know, a part of I the manga. I know that we shouldn't do this, but God, I want that to be the title of this episode. Well, I'll go ahead and throw it on there just in case. It, it'll be a it'll be an option. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, if you are planning how'd, to go see this movie, how did you get to work today? If you live on the outside of Chicago, well, I had a choo choo experience that took me from uh, the outer parts to the inner parts. Does that mean you took a train into work? Yeah, choo choo experience. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, if you're, if you're interested in Demon Slayer, which you should be, Demon Slayer is very good. Uh, you, I believe in theory should be caught up on the anime in order to watch the movie without being lost. I, in a surprise to no one, am not caught up on the anime. I also don't expect to be (laughs) at the time that I try to go see this movie, but you know, uh, we all make our own choices in life, but yeah, Demon's... Demon's Train Slayer Mugen is in theaters, and you can go see it, but also COVID is still in theaters also, so be careful. Yeah. Anyways, with all that being said, and uh, choo-choo, let's go ahead and choo-choo. find out what happened previously on Yu Yu Hakusho. So Yu Yu Hakusho is a story about a kid named Yusuke. He seems like kind of a ruffian, but then he is killed one day when he's saving a young kid from being killed instead. And the afterlife is like, hmm, that's not what we expected. And so they don't know what to do with him. And as a compromise, they give him the opportunity to come back to life. 
and through a series of trials, he succeeds in coming back to life, and then discovers that he has the ability to see spiritual beings and demons and stuff, and the afterlife is like, hey, cool, we gave you the chance to come back to life, and now, with your newfound powers, we're going to put you to work. And they make him a spirit detective, which means that he is a human that goes around trying to stop demons from causing shenanigans. He also develops uh, special powers. He's able to use his spiritual energy to shoot off bullets of energy called a spirit gun. And he learns other techniques uh, throughout his journeys. He's been journeying for a while now, and they are now involved in something called the Dark Tournament, which is a weird gladiatorial contest in which uh, demons gather to watch people being torn to shreds in gruesome ways, and rich people from the human world gather together to bet on the outcome of these battles so they can make a lot of money. Uh, all around, not a cool place to be. Yusuke is conscripted to join the Dark Tournament by a threat from a character named Togoro, who's a big strong boy that they beat but did not kill earlier and who wants a crack at it again, revealing his true power this time because he was not nearly as strong as he actually is when they initially fought due to some reasons that I don't remember. So Yusuke is forced to join the tournament. He brings along some friends that he's made along the way. One is Kuwabara, which is a frenemy of his who uh, they secretly love each other, but not quite like that. Uh, in that Kuwabara and Yusuke have been lifelong rivals, and when Yusuke was dead, Kuwabara was distraught because their rivalry was like a cornerstone of his life. Even though they like you know nominally hate each other, they actually uh, make a good pair. And so when they come back to life, Kuwabara finds himself falling more and more into Yusuke's deal. Kuwabara has a high spiritual awareness and is also able to make basically a lightsaber with his powers. Um, and he's a big buffoon who's very lovable. Uh, they also befriended two demons. One is Kurama, who's actually a half-demon. He is a demon spirit that uh, basically possessed a young boy as a baby. He's a fox demon spirit that possessed a young boy in a ba as a baby and lives inside of his body. So, completely original. And Kurama, uh, because being half-human, he grew up as a human and he has a, he's a, a soft, gentle... Uh, I was going to call him a soy boy, but I don't, I don't think that's quite right. Uh, so Kurama, Kurama is a, a nice guy who's not as bad as him being a demon would suggest to you. And he fights using plant powers, but he also has a full-on demon side that comes out sometimes called Yoko Kurama that maybe we'll see today. Uh, finally, there's Hiei. Hiei is your Vegeta type, the sort of dark, super strong kind of antagonistic to the main character without actually fighting them a lot. Uh, although it does show up originally as a villain just like Vegeta, so he has, he has got that going on for him. He's got eyes all over his body sometimes, but not usually. And he can summon this thing called the Dragon of Darkness Flame that is basically an all-consuming fire dragon that he kind of doesn't have control over and that causes a lot of physical pain to his body. He uh, may or may not be in shape to summon that today also, and I guess we'll find out. Uh, that's really all you need to know. They had a fifth team member. She dead. They have a fifth substitute team member. He doesn't do anything in these episodes. And uh, they are now starting the uh, final round in which they will finally be facing off against Team Togoro, but not against literally either of the Togoro brothers because instead they're going to be facing their teammates today. Picking up with episode 55. Episode 55, The Beast Within, is about Karama facing against Karasu. Karasu is a really, really cool looking character 
that has an ability that is really, really cool and really badly animated for some reason. Man, were you hmm. really bummed out about how not interestingly drawn this the start of this fight was, at least? Uh, they There's like a, a hand wave thing that happens that... It, Karasu can use this ability where he creates bombs that are coming out of his body at... They're made out of his energy, it seems, or turns out it's actually like he holds them within his body and can breathe them out and export them through his pores and turn them. They're also like living monsters. Well, he gives them life. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of like Cybermen, except very small boys. Yeah. So instead of getting out and fighting you and giving you a big hug, they do a sneaky explosion. Yeah. And. This fight is basically the entire episode. It's it's a good back and forth um, between Karasu and Kurama. Kurama is going to um, get so, so damaged uh, that the potion that he took that hasn't kicked in yet um, will eventually kick in and he turns into Yoko Kurama. And Yoko Kurama ha- is much, much, much more powerful because it is the full demon version of Kurama. And uh, yeah, it's Kurama without any of the restraint that he places on himself. Yeah, he's able to summon these big giants. uh, Blake refers to them as vagina plants. Um, They're vaginas. They're I've never seen a vagina in real life, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that this is a one to one recreation. Okay, so if you haven't seen there's a movie called Teeth. um, And in the movie called Teeth, there is a woman that has teeth in her vagina and she is. She is biting people and with it. Chomp they're trying to uh, attack her. Um, and just think about this is this is vaginas if they all existed from the movie Teeth. Um, yeah, it, it's like some sort of Venus flytrap thing. I mean, you know, everything in nature is either a penis or a vagina. And we usually, we all just need to make our peace with that. <laughs> okay, so that's Blake's all, thoughts on this. It's all tubes and crevices. <laughs> yep. Okay, so. Uh, the, Yoko Kurama basically traps Karasu, and Karasu is about to lose, and uh, he is able to get out of this m- very certain loss, taking us into episode 56, Yoko's Magic. And if you're wondering to yourself, hey, isn't there more to that episode? Not really. There's some more, no. there's some more like fluff piece moments where you get you get cuts into the audience and you get you, you know the trio of women that are following along that are uh, really a bummer to say but not important to the yeah. the plot really it sucks yeah i think i mentioned this previously it sucks that all of the characters who are really important to and involved in the plot are men and all of the characters who are watching and supporting from the sidelines in ways that only involve emotional support, and in a stadium this big, don't even really directly involve emotional support. They are all the women characters. That's kind of a bummer. Uh, definitely more modern series do a better job, although not a completely better job, of distributing the plot relevance a little more, uh, a little more evenly. Not entirely evenly, but definitely more. But yeah, I don't know. I I have I think a more positive reading of this episode. I wasn't bored with it. I I think that Yu Yu Hakusho, as we've said a lot of times, does a really surprisingly good job of keeping things moving, 
And this is also the case here, but what I've noticed is that as the Dark Tournament has gone on, what most of these episodes boil down to is character X fighting character Y and finding out what what each character does, why one of the characters seems like they're going to lose, and then why they don't. And I like that, and I think it's interesting, but I, I suspect that the amount of chapters they're covering at a time per episode has slowed down considerably, and so I think they're still doing a good job of keeping things moving, but I don't think that there's as much movement happening overall Mm -hmm. and so at the end of the day like what i've noticed is that my notes for these episodes have gotten much much shorter per episode because not as much big stuff is happening like there are little details Mm -hmm. that i think are interesting and will keep you engaged while you're watching it especially somebody like me who'd never seen these episodes before i i was totally there with it but i was definitely like okay I kind of get what we're doing, and then they just kind of do that for 20 minutes, and then they move on to the next thing. Yep. Um, that takes us up into episode 56, Yoko's Magic. Uh, Karasu's mask has fallen off, and it turns out that this mask he was wearing in order to keep himself back from really expressing his true power, which is that he can breathe out a lot of these uh, these monster bombs, and uh, they are so powerful that he can really basically kill anybody with a bunch of these bombs that he can control all at the same time. Um, he can turn them into different things. At one point, uh, Kurama is, uh, is going to be trapped by a bomb that comes up out of the ground and like clamps onto his foot and explodes. Um, it's, it, he's a very dangerous, uh, character in the sense that he can create things that are very dangerous. You know what he is? He's proto uh, whatever his stupid name is from uh, Shippuden. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's very artistic, isn't he? <laughs> oh God, um, he's he's <laughs> his his art is explosive. Um, but he cats. <laughs> um, he injures Yokokurama so much that Yokokurama turns back into Kurama, and then Kurama is going to yeah. try to uh, get a demon plant inside of um, of Karasu. Karasu is just like, that's not going to work. But it turns out it actually does work. And at the very <laughs> end, uh, Kurama is able to use the last of the Yokokurama power that's left within him in order... To, and he thinks it's the end of his life force that he's using as well. Um, to yeah, create a that's plan. what they said explicitly. Yeah, and it ends up killing Karasu. Karasu dies, and then Kurama ends up uh, not actually dying because he had more power than he actually thought. Because Yoko uh, Kurama is starting to stick with Choji him, flashbacks. and he is like slowly turning back into Yoko Kurama is what they're trying to get at. Um, there's also yeah, a thing okay. that happens that's very frustrating. <laughs> Which is that Kurama falls down at one point and they start counting off a ten count. And oh yeah, Kurama he's, uh, he's out of the ring, I think. No, 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 he's in the ring. He's just down. Okay. Um, and he starts. I don't the, remember. I watched the boxing anime last night. I can't remember <laughs> the fuck. And they start to go over like a, a ten count. Um, and it turns out that they got to the end of the ten count before Kurama was able to activate the demon seed in order to kill. Karasu, 
And so because of that, they, uh, Team Tagoro is able to take the first match on a semi-technicality, not really technicality, because Kurama actually uh, yeah. lost to a TKO. So They actually stop counting. So it's... Okay, so first of all, the, the I wanted to clarify with the seed thing, because you were like, it didn't work, but then it did. I actually thought the way that it worked was really interesting, which is that Kurama previously showed that he could plant i think it's called a death seed in you and basically make a plant grow inside of you that grows by consuming your your body and your life force uh which is very deadly it turns out so uh it seems like kurama tries to plant one of these in karasu and karasu says that didn't work which is true the the seed does not get planted in him but what it does is it scrapes a little cut on Karasu's chest that bleeds. And then the plant that does end up working is not the same one. It's the one that Karama summons with his life force. Mm -hmm. And that is a, basically a blood seeking plant. And so if the, I, the impression that I got was that Karama was desperately trying to plant this seed in Karasu. And if it had been planted, he would have used that seed to beat Karasu and the victory would have been easier. But I, I got the impression that Kurama was understanding that that was probably not going to work, but that because he used the same strategy earlier, Karasu would not would see the seed not being planted in him as a sign of Kurama's weakness rather than as a sign that Kurama had a second sneaky plan going on involved in actually the failed planting attempt. And I thought that was really, really cool yeah so and that's yeah that's so the, the end of that fight <laughs> yeah the technicality which i think they actually explain in 57 uh is that they start counting because karama has fallen and then they stop counting because karama is not unconscious and he is clearly going to get up but then apparently he doesn't get up quickly enough and they do like a slow-mo. It reminded me of like one of those, I don't know, football playbacks or whatever, where you watch it in slow motion and they put like a they put like some sort of indicator on like to highlight the out of bounds or highlight what the timing was or whatever to see if something technically happened fast enough. And that's where you realize that like he stands up off the ground or like gets his knees off the ground or whatever it is that he has to do to be technically officially not down at like 10 seconds point three six or something like that mm -hmm. and so like even though they stopped counting therefore indicating that they had <laughs> seen that karama was getting up and that they were no longer counting him out after the fight they were like well technically the count had already started and then 10 seconds passed and so he loses because we say so yeah Okay, that takes us into episode 50, Beneath Bui's Armor. And uh, every time we're going to say Bui's name, we're going to do it probably Bui, like that. Because Bui, he's got a Bui, silly Bui. name. Um, <laughs> man, that's just reminded me of Kill Bill, where they're like... Meh, 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 that's meh, what I was doing. Da -da -ba -ba -da. <laughs> um, well, Hie is going to get into a fight with Bui. Uh, Bui's ability is that he can make a big axe, and if he wants to, he can make an even sure bigger big axe. Um, and he's yeah. real good at swinging this big axe, and uh, if he takes off his heavy-ass armor, he can be even more axy. 
Um, yeah, hey, so here's a thing about shonen anime trips, because one thing we totally forgot about the Karasu fight is that Karasu has an eye patch that is designed to suppress his true power. And where, oh, where have we seen that before? Technically after, but <laughs> we, Spencer and I, if you're a patron, you might know this already. Spencer and I just did a Patreon-only Bleach episode in which one of the characters has an eye patch that suppresses his power. And so at some point in the fight, the the main character, either Yusuke or Ichigo, depending on which one we're talking about, is like, I got this because he is at the limits of his power because of how his power has been going the last few minutes. And then either Kenpachi or Karasu takes off their eye patch and is like, just kidding, the eye patch was holding me back and now it's off and now I'm not being held back anymore. Except, and they except exactly for Karasu happen. has a mouth patch. <laughs> Oh, is that what it was? Okay, but it was still the same thing. And then, and also, Kenpachi's eye patch has little teeth on it, so it's kind of creepy. And so way his eye sometimes. patch is a mouth patch too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so then, that was really nice. So then, uh, Bui does that thing that Goku Bui! does, which is that he. <laughs> and this also happens in Naruto, doesn't it? This happens with with Rock Lee. It happens with Goku. It happens in every anime, which is that one character deci- asks someone else if it's okay for them to take off some of their clothes. And when they do, it is revealed that those clothes are super fucking heavy. And the reason that you weren't beating them was because they were having to deal with these heavy weights. Yep. And Bui does that with his armor. Yep. And that uh the armor is actually so heavy that when he takes it off, we go into episode 58, Wielder of the Dragon, <laughs> and the animation the What's happening? His weight. It's it, so good. The weights are taken off and it turns into uh our uh, probably my first uh, my first experience with just insanely good animation out of nowhere. This is But here's the thing. The animation in Yu Yu Hakusho is always really good. Yes. But so the you can frame tell that it's better is so much yeah. higher inside of this episode. Yeah. It is noticeably better, but also the jump is nowhere near as distinct. Whereas like if you're watching Nar like if I were to take screenshots from an episode of Naruto where they're pouring on the money and where like the animation quality goes up and screenshots from a regular episode, they don't look the same. Like you can tell they're the same characters. They're probably from the same universe, but even the colors aren't quite the same. The lines are more distinct. They just look different. And then if you see it animated, it's night and day. Like there's no comparison. Again, you can tell they're the same thing, but that's where the comparison stops. With Yu Yu Hakusho, it's much closer. And I I would say if you took a screenshot, you would not be able to tell. But you can see in the motion of it that it's different. And also, I noticed that similar to the critique that we covered from the Naruto-Sasuke fight from way back when, when, at the end of Naruto, uh, they go off model a little bit. Like, Hiei does not always look the same here as he's flowing through this gorgeous animation. But again, I would say, and I suspect you agree with me here, Spencer, that them going off model allows it to feel more fluid and dynamic. And it does not at all detract from like what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So 
it's it's really crazy different if you're looking at it and you're like uh, it can be pretty jarring um there's going to be i think three other times inside of yu hakusho um where it is going to uh be in this this sort of insane fight sequence um where they they increase the the budget and the frame rate and create a very fluid episode and the reason why they do this and one of the reasons why this is one of the episodes especially if you're a hie fan you should absolutely it it should be probably up there as i i'm i'm going to say this it's it's the best hie fight um and the <laughs> biggest reason why i feel this way is because the the character that he is fighting against Bui um is is a great MacGuffin because he he is not he is not nearly strong enough to deal with Hie and at every turn Hie is never down so if you ever want to watch just a straight up curb stomp uh from one of your favorite characters this is the one to go to um Hiei, wow I really don't know that I completely agree with you. Oh man. I think that they do I think they do a good job of making you wonder how he is gonna get out of it without actually making you wonder if he is gonna get out of it. Yeah. So I wouldn't you're say never, it's necessarily a You're never wondering I, I wouldn't say it's a though, curb stomp. I would never say inside of this fight though that I believe that he was down for the count or um behind no. the eight ball at at any point. I feel like he is. No, it's not so, like the the Karama fight. I actually was like, they might kill Karama here. Yeah, that's what uh, I. That's how you fight, feel too. There's a lot of stakes in the Karama fight, whereas the Hiei yeah. fight feels. You know what it feels like? It, it as somebody who plays a lot of Magic the Gathering, it is those games where like I'm the I'm the player that's playing like just a, a creature fun deck, and my opponent is playing like a blue white control deck. At no point do I ever feel like my opponent is not in complete control of the game. So if I win mm. the game, I'm going to be very surprised. But like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm certain the whole time that my opponent is going to just beat me and control me until I'm dead. And that's how it sort yeah. of feels in this fight too. So I'm, I'm, I think I disagree with you on your your assessment that this is a curb stomp battle because generally speaking, I think of a curb stomp battle as one where the character is always in charge from the start to the finish, and just beats the shit out of their opponent. Here, I think Bui puts up a decent fight that can make you question how in control he is, but he, unlike Karama before him, is never on the back foot and never seems to be pushing through and the moments in this fight in which he seems like maybe Bui has gotten the better of him are actually moments in which he reveals a new technique or the use of a technique in a new way that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And so it's used, it's used as a fake out rather than in Karama's where it was actually played more, more sincerely. Yeah. So first he uses the, his first pl- flame technique. I believe it's like, uh, the, it's like the something of the something flame. Um, it's, well, there's the dragon of the darkness flame, but does yeah. he start with that? No, he uses the first ability, which is his like lesser fire technique. Um, and yeah, I don't know what the then he is. uses dragon of the darkness flame. Dragon of the darkness flame, if you have forgotten about this ability, um, it is actually a demon dragon 
that he can summon. Um, think of it as like a summoning technique almost from the Naruto universe where they're bringing in a a giant beast from another dimension in order to It's actually kind of similar to a, a currently running manga called Phantom Seer. If you guys are reading that, you may see some similarities here. Yeah. Well, he's going to summon this big giant dragon order and he controls it. However, the dragon is so powerful that its user is usually burned or destroyed and eaten by the dragon at, when it is summoned. Uh, it turns out, though, that Hiei has gotten complete control over this dragon to the point where he can command it to do what basically whatever bidding he wants. Except for in a moment where Bui, uh, he's going to um, reflect back the technique back on Hiei. And Hiei looks to be destroyed, but it turns out that Hiei has so much control over this demon dragon that he is able to absorb its power inside of him and then release it inside of a punching attack into Bui. It is a, it is a fucking great fight. It is, it is... Yeah. Just beautifully animated. The fight sequence is is very well done. It keeps you really, really begging for more of the fight up until the very end, and you are not completely sure that how Hiei is going to finish the fight. Um, but I swear to God, as a big Hiei fan, I, Kurama's my favorite, but Hiei is like... I think Hiei is probably tied for a second with Yusuke for me. Um just because of how fucking fun it is to watch Hiei fight because of the, the shit eating grin that Hiei just carries at all time in his fights where you're just like, you're just like, I'm pretty sure he's probably putting on airs here where he's just like, you know, pretending to be in control just so that his opponent will be on the back foot. But at the same time, it's also really fun to watch somebody that's just like, is so in control that you're just like, nah, he's just going to ruin him. It's just like why, why Gein is such a fun character to watch in Bleach. Like, you know, yeah. he's just like, you're convinced that he has something up his sleeve at all times. And it turns out that he, a, and you're right. He, a sleeve here is a, is a big giant dragon. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, uh, one thing that I thought about this fight, so what's interesting is that the dark so as somebody who's not seen Yu Yu Hakusho and I don't know how it ends and before we started watching it if you had asked me I was aware of the existence of the dark tournament and of Toguro as a character uh and if you had asked me I would have said I suspect that the dark tournament is the end of Yu Yu Hakusho it is not there's like two more arcs after this yep and so to me, I was like watching the Kurama fight and I was like, I could see them actually killing off Kurama here as a means of shaking up the status quo because I'm looking at this and I'm like, the Dark Tournament feels very climactic. And there are definitely series that have felt really climactic and then found a way to raise the stakes when I would have thought that impossible. I think My Hero Academia is a great example of that. Each arc finds a way to utilize the story in a new way and make me reinvest after feeling like like nothing could have been as intense as what I just watched. And then they find a new angle to get me back into it. So I, I in no way am I saying that I don't expect that Yu Yu Hakusho can do that. It might not. Um, because I know a lot of people that talk about Yu Yu Hakusho talk about the Dark Tournament. And that's weird to me that there's two more arcs after the tournament 
after the arc that everybody talks about. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But to me, I, I could have seen Karama dying as a, as a means of shaking things up uh, and allowing the subsequent arcs to feel different, if for no other reason than because Karama wasn't involved in them. Um, in, in the same way, I think that this Hiei fight and the level up, you know, reinvention of the way that he's using this Dragon of Darkness flame it makes me really excited to see what happens next because it feels like there are doors opening that I previous to this fight didn't feel like were there or were open that uh, allow his power to potentially go in a lot of different directions from here. And I'm curious and excited to see which directions they go to. Yeah. Um, after this fight, he is so exhausted that he goes into a uh, sleep hibernation and that takes us into the ends of our coverage this week. So, stick with us after these credits, and we'll talk about what's coming on next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review reviews help other listeners find our show new review episodes come out every monday and new rewatch episodes appear every friday and hey thanks for listening hello my name is jeremy snow owner and editor-in-chief of the geekly grind we interrupt your awesome regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of the geekly grind podcast network of which this show is a treasured member of If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geeksploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're covering Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood episodes 10 through 12. What's that sound in the distance coming up? Just chugging along? Uh-oh. It's more trains in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, where they're even going to give you pies on trains. Trains on trains. Guys with flaming fists on trains. It's all about trains. Next week on Train Talk. <laughs>